0: Sundays and things of that nature which uh, to us the resurrection is important every day It's, it's a foundation of our faith if he's not risen then our faith is in vain so we're thankful for him rising from the dead and so this morning with that in mind why don't we just stand and lift our hands and praise him for a moment thank him he's a risen savior let's worship him in this house and thank him this morning for his mercy and grace all that he's done Lord we love and praise you You're worthy of all glory and honor today. Oh, we just thank you for your mercy, for your grace. So thankful that you did rise from the dead. Lord, to give us promise of new life. We praise you for it. Thank you for your presence here today, Lord, for all that you're going to do in this house. We just give you glory for it. There is no God like you. We praise you. Give him a hand clap and a shout of praise in this house. What a great God. What a great, great, great God today. So thankful for him today. So thankful for him. So, uh, I'm going to read while you're standing this morning, Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. 10, Luke 10, verse 38 says, "Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village." That's talking about Jesus. It says, And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about, much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she would help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Praise God. Let's pray for our lesson. Lord, we love and thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for being here with us today, that your presence is in this house. Let us pay close attention to what you would say today, that we could be better, Lord, be more like you, and be ready to meet you when you come, we ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated. I love His Word. Love the Word of the Lord. God's good. Praise God. You can be seated. So now we start. Uh, the, the main title for the lessons is Room for the Resurrection. And uh, I like to read these ideas. The big idea of what it says is that If we want to experience the resurrection, Paul said, I want to uh, know him in the power of his resurrection. So if we want to experience the resurrection and life that Jesus brings, then we must make a prominent place for him in our lives. Today, we're talking about a place for Jesus. And so if we're going to experience the resurrection and life of Jesus, then we must make room for him in our home. Yeah, in in our home. See, a lot of people are, are comfortable uh, with Jesus outside the home. Right. But in the home is where we live. you ever, we know people, people act different at home. Yeah. They make themselves at home. Right. They are at ease in their house. And uh, sometimes they, uh, they love Jesus outside the, their house, but uh, in their house you might not know that they knew him. Ooh, ooh, ow, ow. So we want him in our home. We want him in the place where we are most comfortable. I still want Jesus to be there. I want him there. There's a quote by Benjamin Franklin. He said that guests are like fish. And they both begin to smell after about three days. (laughs) You know, you can be hospitable and love people, but eventually, folks got to go. Guests, some people don't have guests, they, they don't have people over. That's just not their thing. And uh, Proverbs 25, 17 has a, a, a quote that we have laughed about over the years, my wife and I. And, and, but it's actually teaching for us, telling us basically don't wear out your welcome. But it says, withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house. Don't wear out your welcome. If somebody invites you over, you can accept the invitation, but don't camp out. (laughs) Remember that, hey, when you see your host pretending like they're falling asleep, it's it's time to go home. (laughs) But he said, said, withdraw thy foot from thy neighbor's house, lest he be weary of thee and... So he hate thee. Begin to oh, I wish I'd have never asked them over. Don't make them dread seeing you coming. You know, don't wear out your welcome uh, guest. Uh, sometimes are welcome guests. Sometimes they are unwelcome guests. And sometimes we have hosted people. You know, you probably have hosted someone. You were glad to see them come, and you were glad to see them go. <laughs> Doesn't mean you love them. Don't love them. It just means that whew, I'm ready because we want to get back to normal. We, we, we want to wear our old ratty, bummy clothes, and and, and uh, you know that we can go in, in the cupboard and get all our stash because you know you hit all your good snacks and stuff, <laughs> so they wouldn't eat them all up. And now you can just get back to normal. You know you don't have to put your animals up, things of that nature. Whatever. Sometimes having guests, as much as you enjoy it, can be an inconvenience. It's just life. That's just how it is. Does it make you inhospitable? Does it make you a bad person? It's just the fact. Our homes become a place where we are very comfortable, and when someone who doesn't live there shows up, we adjust the way things are going. Brother Scott Graham put an insert in this lesson, uh, kind of speaking to this. He said that he was the youngest of three children. He had two sisters, and he said they grew up in a house that had uh, only three bedrooms. He said, so my sisters, they had to share a room uh, I, being the only boy, had the luxury of having my own room. He said, but because I had my room to myself, whenever we would have guests from out of town, I was the first one to be put out of his room. He said, I would come home from school and see this old makeshift cot set out, and I would know immediately someone's coming, and now I can't go into my room where my toys and things and all those. You know, I just It would disgust me to see that cot set up in the living room when I got home. But he said, in fairness, there were times where I was excited. He said we had family of of friends that uh, he lived in Wyoming, and he was a a rancher, a cowboy, so to speak, and and said he was just bigger than life to me, and if I knew he was coming, I didn't mind giving my room up because I felt like having a real cowboy sleep in my room would somehow make me tougher, you know, And, and so he said I enjoyed him talking about roping cows and and uh, his uh, ranch and riding horses and things of that nature. And and so nothing was an inconvenience if I knew he was coming. And so when we go back to where we began reading our Scripture this morning, we see that someone is about to receive a guest. What if it was us about to have the experience that uh, Martha and Mary would have, said that when it came to pass as they went that Jesus entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. What would you sacrifice to have the risen Savior stay a couple of nights with you? What, how, how would you pursue that? If you knew there was an opportunity that I could get Jesus to come and stay in my house for a couple of days. A lot of people were after Jesus in that time. Uh, everywhere he went there were crowds of people because they wanted to see the miracles. They wanted to hear what he had to say, he was a lot different. And, and so somehow, some way, Martha hears, now maybe it's through the day-to-day, maybe she went into the marketplace that morning to, to buy food for that evening, or she was washing clothes at the river, going to the well to draw water. Somewhere she heard that Jesus of Nazareth was about to enter in to their little community. And so Jesus had already, his fame had grown, swept through Judea. He was doing miracles, signs and wonders, there are blind eyes being opened, deaf ears opening up, um, or blind eyes seeing and deaf ears opening up, then the lame leaping up. Uh, you know, just so many things that he was doing, healing lepers and, and just taking uh, charge of situations and making things better for people. And so they, they knew about him. so the opportunity to maybe have him come and stay in her house I don't know who all was there. I'm sure there was a great crowd, as there always was. But Martha made it a priority to find him. And she knew Jesus was going to be staying somewhere that night. But she wanted to make sure that it was her house that he was going to be at. She purposed in her heart that it didn't matter of all the houses in Bethany, tonight Jesus will be at my house. She probably didn't have the biggest house or, uh, you know, the fanciest house. That didn't matter. She was determined that it would be the most welcoming to the Savior. And that's what we find in the story, that she's so busy trying to make it a good uh, day when Jesus finally gets there. There's no really recorded uh, scripture leading up to this incident. We don't know how. If she pushed people out of the way, maybe she knocked somebody down. I don't know, to get to him. But she was going to invite him. She received him. She came to him and said, come stay with us. Come to our house tonight. I'm getting everything ready. And so as we read on through the scripture, we find that Martha also has a sister. And her name is Mary. And while Martha is busy in the kitchen, knocking pots and pans over, cooking, doing everything she's got to do, we find out that she has a sister, Mary Mary. She was there, sitting at the feet of Jesus. She heard his word, but Martha was cumbered about much serving. Two sisters, same house, Jesus in the house, and two very different points of view about what to do when Jesus is in your home. There it is. Think about, just you know, try to think about this. I, I try to picture the scenario, uh, because you read it and you can read through it really fast, but... You think about Martha going to answer the door, taking people's coats, trying to watch the stove so something doesn't burn. She's probably got flour on her face or whatever they cooked with back then, you know, uh, probably burn her hand on the stove, you know, she's sweating or, you know, she's just running back and forth or probably forehead all wrinkled up, worried about, is everybody getting what they need? Where are they going to sit? Don't knock that over. Hey, watch your kids, you know, just everything she can do. And then she looks, and there sits old Mary on the pillow on the floor at the feet of Jesus just looking up. And and, uh, she's thinking, Mary knows what we do when we have guests. Why is she just sitting there? Why is she not helping me? And why... Is Jesus, the writer of all wrongs, not telling her, get up and help your sister? And finally it gets to be just more than she can stand. And she she goes to Jesus with her gripe. You've you've got Jesus in your house, he's a guest in your home, and the only thing you can do is go gripe to him. Lord, do you not care? Don't, uh, don't you even care? I invited you to my house. Don't you care that my sister left me to serve alone? Bid her telling Jesus what to do. Bid her. See, when you get in your own house, you get comfortable. It's my house. Bid her to come help me. But Jesus has an answer. It says, Martha, Martha. You're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Oh, there's a lot that needs to be taken care of. There's a lot to do. There's all kinds of things that you can busy yourself with, but there's one thing that's needful, and Mary has found that good part, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus was reminding Martha that in enjoying the privilege of having Jesus in our home, our priority should be about being with him before doing for him. Let me tell you, Jesus wasn't asking where the food was at. Having him in your home is not just about what you can do for him. It's listening to him and being with him. Yeah. Now, in this day and time, we don't have to, hey, I heard Jesus was going to be over in Winterville. You don't have to try to rush over into the, he's going to be by the arches in downtown, everybody trying to fight and get somewhere to hear him. Now, he's He's everywhere. We don't have to compete for where is he going to stay. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's inside of us. We we can spend time with him here. Somebody right now is spending time with him across town or across the world. And uh, we don't have to worry about trying to uh, outdo anybody to get him to come stay with me tonight. Stay with me. Come abide in my house. That's how wonderful it is today that he's everywhere and he's with us. His spirit's all over. So... When we welcome Jesus into our home, it's not so he may suddenly just come into our home. That's not what it's about. Uh, Welcoming Jesus into our home is found in the focus and the energy that we place into ordering our world around him and his words. When you welcome Jesus into your home, it's not just so you can feel his presence. It's so uh, that you can be focused on him and that life that you live for him, that you can hear from him even in your home. When you welcome something into your home, it becomes part of your life. It's, it's uh, Like I said, it's where our homes are, where we're comfortable. That's where we live. That's where our families are. That's where we, we, we learn, we raise, we love. You know, that, that our lives are, even though we have to go out to work or to school, but well, we can't wait to get home. That's why we always say there's no place like home. You know, we just can't wait to get home. But is Jesus there when you get home? Is he there? For any of us to experience um, an abiding presence of the resurrected one in our homes, we must uh, mirror the passion that Martha had. Now, so we like to be hard on Martha because I, Martha, blind as a bat. She can't, I mean, just thick up here, you know, just don't even realize that Jesus is in your house. You've got the Savior, the miracle worker, the water walker, In your house. And you're running around trying to make sure the dumplings ain't burning. But Martha was the one that somehow got him there. It was Martha that out of that whole crowd of people made sure that Jesus was coming to her house. She was the one that believed all the things that Jesus could do. And and she took the initiative to find him, invite him, and insist maybe that she come, he come. her spiritual appetite was a precursor to Mary's. Mary doesn't get to listen to Jesus unless Martha gets him home. So, uh, yeah, Martha was missing the point, but her passion for having Jesus in her house was there. She just didn't know what to do once he got there. And so if we're going to experience a presence of the Lord in our home, we must have the same passion that Martha had. We must believe what we've heard about him. We must believe that he does work signs and miracles and wonders still today in our lives. We must believe the testimonies we've heard of healings and deliverance and marriages put back together and all kind of things that he does today. And, and, and that uh, believing that and understanding that he's still doing those things. And uh, then we must have a passion to bring him into our home. Friend, you've got to have him more. You, you can't just come see Jesus at his house. He's got to be in your house. He needs to be a welcome guest. Uh, he, he never has to withdraw his foot because I'm never going to get weary of Jesus being in my house. The only time you get weary of Jesus being in your house is when you want to do things you know he don't approve of. I don't want to get in, in, in that kind of shape. I want to make sure that my home is a place that Jesus is welcome to. Uh, this... uh passion to have him with us and abide with us will compel us to pursue him just as Martha did. If he's going to stay anywhere, it will be in our house. I'm bringing Jesus home. And so she was so determined that she cared little for what anybody else might think about it. So you you can't be concerned about what other people think about you having Jesus in your home. Don't let other people's opinion of you being a little bit too holy because, you, you know, uh, you, uh, people, you say, oh, you, you can't do that in my house. It's my house, and we don't do that. Oh, oh you got this little holy house. I, I serve the Lord, and the Lord's the ruler in this house. He's in my house, and so I don't agree on it outside the house. I don't agree on it in the house. You know, that's it, it, just how it is. Jesus is in My home, and she didn't care what anybody else thought about it. I don't know if she pushed through the crowd, if she crawled across the ground, or just caused a scene, maybe screamed out like Bartimaeus. I don't know what she did to get his attention, but he stayed in her house. She did whatever it was that it took. Martha was determined to have him there. But I'm glad that now we don't have a competition. We're not here today saying, Lord, I'm going to shout the hardest so you'll come home with me. I'm going to preach the best so you'll come home with me. I'm going to run the aisle so you'll come home with me. It's it's not a competition. Uh, He can be at my house and at your house and that house and that house and everybody's house. He can go to all our houses. It it don't matter. He can fill every house in the land. And so Martha's hunger for his presence in her home is something that we should emulate. The Bible says if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, well, there's nobody more righteous than him. If we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we shall be filled. We're going to have what we need, but there's got to be a desire there. There's got to be a hunger for those kind of things. You've got to hunger and thirst for it. You've got to realize I need the Savior. I must have him, not just at the revival service, not just uh, when I'm in trouble, but I need him in my home. I need him so my life will be righted. I need the things, everything in my life is going to be upside down without him. I cannot let my home where uh, where my marriage is, where I'm raising my children, I cannot let that be the one place that Jesus is not welcome. Got to have him. Oh, I need Jesus in my school. I need him in my workplace. You need him in your home. You need him in your home. You need him where your life is at. You need him. uh, That's not a place uh, for you to ignore the Lord. We need to, uh, you know, there are things that we may have to forfeit if we want uh, Jesus in our home. Yeah. Uh, You know, in one place Jesus told him, he said, I think it's in Matthew uh, 10, he said in verse 36, he said that uh, the foes, a man's foes shall be uh, those of his own household. A lot, everybody just because they live in your house may not like the fact that you've got Jesus with you now. Right. When, it's not your, when you go into the home you live in, but it's not really your home, somebody else owns it. It happens a lot of time with young people. Right. They come into the church, the Lord moves on them, they get going, man, their parents, oh, my goodness, you've joined a cult or something, what's going on with you? Because uh, they feel convicted because you're like, you shouldn't be watching that. You shouldn't be listening to that. You shouldn't be drinking that. You shouldn't be smoking that. Hey, this is my house. I live here too, and Jesus comes with me. And they'll be asking you and Jesus both to leave. Because the Bible says you'd be hated of all men for his namesake. And sometimes our foes are those of our own household. It's the people that we're closest to. Because the ones that you're closest to, they're the ones that feel the conviction. Oh, you just holy. You know, it, you never had that happen. You never had a brother or a sister or a, a mom or dad look at you and be like, so now you think you're better than all of us. Right. <laughs> I know you have. Uh, we've all had that happen. Or a friend, somebody, your best, your best friend from school, something you used to hang out with all the time. You'll never hang out with me no more. No, because I'm not going to the club, and I'm not going uh, uh, some back alley somewhere. I'm not going to all them places you go. <laughs> That's not happening no more. I don't go those places anymore. I'm not being better than you. I just, me and Jesus don't go there. You know? Well, you used to go. You didn't have Jesus. Now I do. I want him in my home. I want him in here. I want him in my life. But I want him in my home. You know, when we have guests over, it affects. Be honest. You don't walk around in the house when there's guests there with the same thing you walk around when you by yourself. Ain't no quick dashes from the from the shower to the bedroom. <laughs> if guests are in the house. Are uh, you putting on robes and towels and you like an Eskimo when you come out of the bathroom? Ain't no no quick dash, ain't no leaving the door open, ain't no uh, you know, you ain't wearing them old ratty clothes with holes, all them stuff. Like that. It, it affects. Right. It, it, you know, when guests come over, you know, you get the dolls off the furniture. You know, you, know, you, man, you put socks on when guests come over and stuff. You know, I don't even want people to see your feet or nothing. It, it just, it, it just changes everything. I not even go to the bathroom when you got guests over. Uh, I don't want to think I actually used the bathroom. It affects how you live. The tone and climate of your home is changed by the presence of somebody when they come in. And that's the same way it is with Jesus living in our homes. Every aspect of how we live will be filtered by his attendance. If Jesus is really in your house, it will affect what channel you're on. It will affect uh, how you act, what you say. It will affect your home. it'll affect your speech. it'll affect your dress. it'll affect your conduct, your entertainment choices, your purchases. It'll affect your giving and your ministry efforts when Jesus is welcome in your home. Every part of who we are will be impacted by Him as our guest, every part of it. Now you know, I know uh, we, well my home's a sanctuary. That's where I can come home and leave work behind, leave school behind, leave. I'll come home. I want, and that's fine. Your home can be a sanctuary. It just should never be a sanctuary from Jesus. It should be a place where you can go and be safe and and feel like I'm in my safe place. But it should feel safe because Jesus is there. Yeah, it should. He's the Prince of Peace. I want His abiding peace in my home. I I want holiness uh, in my home because without holiness, no man can see the Lord. I I want those things in my home. I don't just want that uh, on Sunday or on Wednesday or on Monday night. I want that in my home. And so if I'm going to have an abiding presence of the Savior in my home, it will change me. If it does not change you, he ain't there. Uh, Jesus just don't mind. Uh, he he may not strike you dead, but he does mind. He does mind when we sin. Anybody ever tells you Jesus don't care when you sin? Uh huh. Well, yes. Why would he die? Why would he suffer? You know. Uh, listen. Yeah. No. He may not. He's long suffering and he's merciful. And sometimes we mistake his patience for permission. But him not knocking you out is not him giving you permission or condoning uh, that act of sin. He's just trying, the, the Bible says the long-suffering of the Lord leads to salvation. The only reason any of us going to make it or be saved is because he's long-suffering with us. Because we all need his mercy and grace every day. Every day we've got to have that. So, uh, and because it brings such an upheaval and change in your life, believe me. Now, I, I lived at home with my parents when I got into the church. But I had my own little room, had an outside entrance to it, so I could come and go at, and just at whatever hours, because I was old enough. I was in my 20s. I was a, an adult. And so I could come and go pretty much as I pleased. You know, I still was respectful of their parts, you know, of the home and everything. I didn't just tear the whole house up or do anything, but my little room was my little dungeon, you know. It was, and I say dungeon because there was skeletons all over the wall and uh, rock posters and things like that. You know, it was pretty creepy in there. But that's I just liked that stuff back then. But it was my own little place. But I'm tell you this: when I came home from church, January the 13th, 1993, still hair still wet from being baptized, I brought Jesus back with me. And as soon as I got ready to step into in, my room, and look, I flipped the light on, looked around. And I was like, this stuff had never looked like this to me before. And the Lord said, ain't no part of a lost life can abide. I started taking stuff off the walls, filling up trash bags, CDs, tapes, cassettes. Yeah, it was still in the cassette days. Vinyl albums, everything, trash bags, trash bags. Going through all my clothes. Man, I didn't have no clothes left when I got, got saved. All my clothes had something ugly wrote on it. You couldn't even wear it, you know. Just, or they were so ripped up, you could might as well not have nothing on. And so, and just filled it up. Took it all to the dump that night. I mean, 2 o'clock in the morning, I was throwing stuff in the dumpster. Getting, I cleaned it out because it couldn't stay. I just don't know if all that's necessary. Then you don't believe the Bible. Because he said, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, and old things are passed away, all things are new. Old things are what the old man enjoyed, what he gravitated to. And so when Jesus came home with me, that stuff had to go. I had nowhere, I, I, man, I couldn't sit in there and talk to him with all that stuff staring at me. I didn't want him to say, What is that? <laughs> Ooh. Oh, don't look at that, don't look that way. Lord, don't look that way. So, the, you know, it, it is. It's an upheaval in our lives, in our home. It, it's supposed to be. It's new. It's old things being made new. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why some people have a problem, and they are very reluctant to have an abiding visitation of Jesus in their home. Oh, it doesn't that they, they don't like to feel the Lord. They just don't want him to come home with them. Our flesh is certainly more comfortable merely visiting him at his house a couple of times a week than have him living in our house seven days a week. Sitting through a couple of services every week is not as life-altering if we don't bring him home. Feels good. Got the fellowship, see some people went out and eat after that, but got home and where's the Lord? On Sundays, we can even dress up and present our best image when we go to the house of the Lord, and that doesn't even put us out that much. We don't look good for our friends. But if we ever take the profound step of inviting the God of the house to return home with us, there will be an immediate impact on everything we say or do. It's going to happen. Some might wonder why anybody would do that. Why let Jesus interfere daily with your home life? when other people just seem content to interact with him ever so often? What drives a person to that extreme level of commitment? Well, this is where the other sister comes in. This is Mary. Martha had the passion, the drive to get him there. Mary understood the importance of the visit. While Martha was distracted by all that was going on, Mary refused to be distracted by all the matters in the kitchen. She may not even notice when there was a pot or pan rattling, and and I'm sure Martha was probably like, trying to get her attention, you know. I wish somebody would help me. Shh, I'm listening to Jesus. Whoo! Don't you know she wanted to throw something? Hmm. Mary didn't care if there was dust on the baseboard. She didn't care if there was dog hair on the couch. That's our house. (laughs) The muddy boots on the porch did not uh, concern her as much as the dusty sandals that were sitting before her. She was more concerned with where she was at. The Bible records Martha could not understand Mary's fascination with Jesus to the exclusion of household matters. But it is perhaps just as likely that Mary could not understand Martha's fascination with household matters to the exclusion of Jesus. Maybe instead of thinking what, Mar- you know, we read what Martha was thinking. Hey, get her up here and get her to help me. But maybe Mary is going, what is Martha doing? Does she not realize this is Jesus of Nazareth? Does she know not know what a privilege this is? Man, it's going to always be a dish to wash. But he won't always be here. We won't always have him because this is what I'm talking about in the physical presence, we won't always have the the Savior here sitting in our house teaching to us. His his words are life-changing. She needs to be in here sitting beside me instead of trying to cook and clean and put people's coats on. Let people fend for themselves. I've said it before. I said, if it had been my house, I'd be like, fend for yourself. If you're hungry, go get you a lunch and bring it back. I'm not cooking. I'm sitting right here in front of Jesus. I'm going to see what he's got to say. Now, what Martha was doing was not wrong in and of itself. She was being a good hostess. She was attending to the physical needs of the Messiah. She was being a good steward of the food that they had purchased. All good things, they're just not the best things. He said, Mary had found that good part which shall not be taken away from her. She said, Mary knew that these words that he's speaking mean more than anything. As is when you read in Job 23 when he said I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food if Jesus is going to be talking I don't need to be eating I don't need to be uh, doing sewing, I don't need to be washing dishes, I don't need to be doing nothing else I just need to be sitting and listening to what he is saying because I want him in my home now everybody we all do this. We have experienced times when the important will crowd out what is essential. You know, we, we get busy. The busy nature of life can consume days and weeks with matters that seem very vital at the moment, but are actually rather insignificant when we look at them through the light of eternity. It seems so important now, but you know, will it be in a thousand years? In a thousand years, will will it have mattered if you had the biggest house or the nicest yard? Nothing wrong with doing those things, but is that what's really important? Or is having Him abiding there is that what's important? It won't be about the car we drive or how much money was in the bank. Did we have the Savior abiding there? He, you know, in a thousand years, it, it it's not going to matter who was president. It's not going to matter about COVID nineteen you know, vaccinations, all these things. No, that's going to mean anything in eternity. That's why, you know, some people think uh, that people who are thinking about eternity are not concerned with the present. It's not that we're not concerned with the present. In the grand scheme of things, it don't matter. How come, how come you don't get more involved in, in all that stuff? Why? There's plenty of people doing that. We need somebody preaching the gospel. We need somebody, uh, you know, uh, helping people get ready for heaven. I, you know, not, I, I'm not trying to get nobody ready for the next four years. I'm trying to get somebody ready for the eternity. You know, if the Lord tarries, we'll be here. And, we'll, and you know what? No matter how we vote, we'll have to deal with whatever comes. That's just it. But I got to have him. And i got to be getting ready to meet him one day. I, I, that's why, you know, yeah, I, I, I vote. My con, I pray. I vote what I feel after I pray. I vote. I participate in all that stuff. But if my candidate didn't win, I promise you, there'll never be a meme of me somewhere out in public screaming, ah! I'm, I'm not going to lose my mind. And, and burn a town down or something because my candidate didn't win well, because whether he mine wins or not, I'm just looking to him, I'm looking to the Lord uh, because you know what sometimes your candidate might might win, but what if he don't listen to the Lord? The people wanted Saul and they got him. I'll move on. So sometimes the important does crowd out the essential. We get very busy. But Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 4 and 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. While we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which we see are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. The things that I cannot see uh, or, or what? I'm waiting to see. I'm going one day my faith. The old song said my faith will end in sight. One day uh, I'm going to see him who I cannot see now. He's invisible to us. The Bible says we love him even though we haven't seen him. I haven't seen him. I've seen the impact of him uh, in my life. But one day I will see my Savior face to face. And that's going to be a great day. But right now I can't let anything stop that from happening. I've got to live my life. Man, boy, you can't uh, roll the dice and take a day off and think, well, he ain't coming today. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'll get back right on the next day in such a time as we think not. Uh, That's going to happen to somebody. Somebody's going to say, you know what? The way things are going right now, I'm going to take me a day off. Ooh. That's going to be a sad day for some people that said, I'm going to take a little time off from going to church. I'm going to take a little time off from uh, uh, going to the prayer room. I'm going to take a little time off from living for him. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, get out there and sow my wild oats for a while, and then I'll, I'll come on back. To, to, you know, the Father just welcomes us back, so I'll just, I'll just come on back one day. It's a bit, that's a scary game to play. You don't want to be doing that. You want to stay with him to experience the full impact of, of this resurrected life of, of Christ uh, in our homes, we must, we, there's two things we've got to have. We must have Martha's passion to get him there and then Mary's focus to attend to him once he's there. So we need both of it. So, you know, you'll read this story different from now on when you see, oh, look at old Martha. Yeah, but Martha got him there. If it had not been for Martha's passion, right. Mary would have never, never been afforded the the chance to sit at his feet in her home. So uh, when, uh, when we get in there, it becomes abundantly clear why we would want Jesus to abide in our homes, even if it means everything else is changed. I knew my life was changed when he came in. I knew it was going to be different. I knew I could not go back to the life that I had lived, and I knew that people would not understand and that they would even not like it, but he meant more to me than their opinion. The eternal impact of such a visitation is the reason for having him there. To sit at his feet, hear his words, is now the foundation for our hope of doing so before his throne one day. To hear him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. His resurrection power was meant to be more than something we experience just at new birth and then celebrate on Easter. It's got to be every day. He intended for that power to be an ongoing reality in our daily lives, in our homes. Uh, so we need to make room for Jesus. We we talk about that a lot of times at Christmas time. You know, there was no room for them in the end. There was no room. And, uh, but we need to make room for Him. Uh, this vessel we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We need to uh, make room for Him in here. We we've got to empty ourselves. That's what our repentance is about: is dying to the old life. You know, re- repentance is not just garnishment on Acts two thirty eight. Oh, baptism in the Holy Ghost, that's where it's at. You'll never get the fullness of the baptism or the Holy Ghost if you don't repent. If you don't decide, hey, I'm going to live different, it's going to be different, you'll you'll never get the full benefits of what it's like to really have uh, that new birth experience because you've got to repent you've got to turn your life around and live differently. Don't think just because you speak in tongues that that's a seal of approval on any sin that's going on in your life. Um, Well, pastor, my goodness. Well, I'm just telling you, I I don't want you to deceive yourself. Uh, You know, yeah, that's great. God's mercy is still at the gift talk. But he's not going to ever approve of us doing wrong. So, So we need to make sure that this... New life is something we live in every day. That's why Jesus said, take up the cross daily and follow me. So uh, go secure him, make room for him, uh, secure his attendance, and then give your undistracted attention to everything he says because you'll find life in his words. We live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. One psalmist said, as the heart or the deer paneth after the water brook, so paneth my soul after thee, Oh, God, there's a, a passion to have him in my life, to, to go after him and get him, and then once he's there, stay here. You know, when the man, uh, you can come on up to the uh, piano, brother. I said brother. Uh, the man who had the legion of devils, when he was cleansed of that and he was in his right mind, he was clothed and in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. I don't know what conversations they had before the crowd got there and saw what was going on. But when it was time for Jesus to go, that guy was like, hey, 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 I want to go with you. I, I don't, I don't want to ever be without you again. He didn't understand that the Lord had given him something that, hey, by faith, it'll stay with you. I don't, you don't have to have my physical body here. You just keep telling people about what I did You keep believing, keep having faith, it'll stay, and that's the way it is. Is uh, that man was able to, okay, you know, go back and do what God wanted him to do, Uh, but he was. I always thought that was interesting. Boy, he just did not want Jesus to leave because he could remember his life before Jesus. He remembers what it was like before that boat pulled up and Jesus stepped out on his land. He remembered cutting himself with stones and living in the tombs and and wailing and crying and people trying to chain him up to f- help him and nothing seemed to work he remembered what it was like to not have Jesus and he said that can't ever be my life again Well, I tell you if you ever sit down and think about where you used to be before Jesus and really think about that for a moment don't get too mindful of it don't, be, don't long for it but just think about where he brought you from it'll scare you straight you think about how many times you could have slipped out of here without the uh, new birth in your life. Man, you'll be like, I don't ever want to have a life without Jesus again. I, I always mention, and you know, I know everybody laughs, but I would say that was my life pre-Jesus. I don't want to ever have a pre-Jesus life experience again. Uh, I don't want to ever have... Uh, see, now I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I got no excuse. You know, I, I, Now I, I know what he can do. It'd be, you know, It's worse for those that have known what he can do and turn from the commandment. It, it, I, I'm on dangerous ground if I try to turn away now. I know he's merciful, but I'm on dangerous ground. I know he's long-suffering, but I'm on dangerous ground if I turn from him now. I, I do not want to do that. I want him to be a guest in my home, in my home. Every year, you know, for those that do this sort of thing, a lot of people talk about, a guest coming into their home, he slips down the chimney. If you're into that kind of thing, uh, then uh, you know, he's a, and they all, oh, we can't wait for him to come and leave gifts and presents. And but he comes and then he goes, you know, that's what they say. You know, if we're going to have guests, we at least want to invite them, uninvited guests, people that just drop by. That's the. Whew, Man, just drop by. No call, no text, no nothing. Just drop by. We don't like that. We don't like. Yes, uh, you don't see door-to-door salesmen anymore. And uh, yeah, I mean, we you know Amazon, but uh, but you know, everybody everybody loves Amazon truck. But you know, but um, you know, we don't want people breaking in our house. That's unwelcome guests. We don't want that. We, you know, you, you, you don't want. Uh, uh, you know people put up walls and gates to the houses now, house. I mean, So just they don 't want nobody getting to their house they don 't want nobody there. but Jesus will rarely ever be an unwelcome guest, and he will never be an uninvited guest. Come on now, I said he rarely is he unwelcome, but he will never ever be uninvited. He will never just kick in the door. He will never do that. He's gonna. Uh, if if he's there, if he's present in your home, he was invited. Yeah. A spiritual welcome mat, so to say, has been put out for him. Revelation three and twenty. Jesus said this, and you can stand with me as we close right here. Listen, our homes will not become spiritual by accident. We don't become spiritual by accident. We don't get close to Jesus by chance. And you will not have a godly climate in your home by accident, by happenstance. It's it's not, oh, boy, this is just, wow. I hung those new curtains up and look how godly my house is. Wow. Revelation 3 and 20, the Lord said, Behold, I stand at the door. That means there's something between us. I stand at the door and I knock. now, from that point, if any man hear my voice and open the door, he's not, trying do, he's not trying to see if it's locked. He don't care if it's locked or unlocked. I will not come in until you open the door. You must hear his voice and you must open the door. He said, then I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It won't be a one-sided thing. This will be you and him together. It won't be like, oh, you're here. No, if I come in, there's gonna be some stuff happening together. And but I won't come in unless I am invited. There, There will be an intentional action of you opening the door and inviting the Savior in. So as we get ready for Easter and the resurrection and those things, have you made room for Jesus in your home? You need to count the cost. Jesus said, count the cost of being a disciple. You need to realize that if you're asking Jesus into your home, things are going to change. They have to change. And if it does change, it's definitely for our betterment. He never asked us to let go of anything that would do us harm, but he says, you need to lay aside weights and sins so you can run this race with patience. So anything we have to lay aside... It's either a weight or it is a sin. And he simply wants you to run the best race that you can run. I want him in my home. I, I want him in my home. I, I, I don't want, oh boy, the way well, he is it, in church, boy, I bet His house. Ha- I, I want my home to be where Jesus is. This is his house. But I want my house to be his house. Let's lift our hands and pray. Lord, we love you so much today. And we are thankful for your abiding presence, the spirit, Lord, that lives inside of us. But Lord, we want you to be in our lives every day. We want you to be with us. Lord, we are the light of the world. We want you to be with us on the job, at our schools, wherever we might find ourselves. But Lord, surely we want you in our home. Your servant said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. our houses, our homes, our family life. It, it needs to be a life that, that portrays godliness and holiness and respect and reverence for you and the life you've given us. So, Lord, help us today to make the changes, make the adjustments, to find altars of repentance, whatever we need to do, God, to make room for you in our home. Let us have the passion to get you there and then have the understanding to listen to you once you are. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand this morning. What a great God. What a great God. I want him in my home. Praise the Lord. All right. Find a place to pray before the next service. It's going to be a great day in Jesus' name. God bless you.